You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, October 5th reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Victor Troll boosts Pikes Peak Region Tourism Numbers, written by Jessica Van Dyne. Commissioners pass resolution opposing Proposition HH, written by Pat Hill. Woodland Park stuns Manitou Springs, secures come-from-behind victory, written by Marcus Hill. Removal of spillway in 11-mile canyon underway, and following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Victor Troll Boosts Pikes Peak Region Tourism Numbers, written by Jessica Van Dyne. The Pikes Peak region's tourism season was a bit of a mixed bag, but much of its content sparkled with flecks of gold. A lot of that gold was thanks to a troll. Cripple Creek saw an influx of 11,000 visitors in early August during the first weekend that travelers could see Rita, the rock planter, a massive wooden sculpture outside Victor, said P.K. McPherson, Executive Director of Pikes Peak Region Attractions, an association of local sites marketing the area's tourism. That's roughly double the average number of weekend visitors, she added. Luckily, with so much traffic, McPherson said labor shortages that plagued many businesses for the past several years seem to improve in 2023. Employment has been an issue. We were talking about it very seriously back in 2019, McPherson said. And... It seems like this year was the best. It's still a concern, but it's better than it has been for the past four years. Down the pass in Colorado Springs, sales tax collections, hotel occupancy rates, and airport traffic numbers painted a picture of a steady tourism season comparable with the previous year. But a deeper read into the data shows a nuanced picture of the highs and lows of this year's peak tourism season. It was kind of a weird year, McPherson said. May and June were really hard on my outdoor guys because we got so much rain. For some of the region's tourism players, rainy weather pushed visitors indoors. McPherson said, resulting in a record season for attractions, including the Ghost Town Museum and Space Fountain, sorry, Space Foundation Discovery Center. The height of the summer, or July 4th weekend, marked a shift as the weather heated up, McPherson said, but without getting too hot. July was epically perfect weather here. It stayed at a decent temperature, Plenty of blue skies and sunshine, McPherson said. She's also optimistic about the future. With Pikes Peak Region Attractions website and YouTube channel reaching new heights, she is hopeful that 
It is a sign of a steady year-round tourism, which would lessen the blow to businesses in the winter months and make the area less congested for residents during the peak season. Our website was up to about 40% for the whole year. We just have been hopping here, McPherson said, and usually we're kind of an early indicator because people often use us as a planning tool for future visits. So I think that those numbers bode well. The next article is entitled Commissioners Pass Resolution Opposing Proposition HH, written by Pat Hill. Teller County commissioners are speaking out against Proposition HH to be decided by Colorado registered voters in the election November 7. Commissioners, with Woodland Park Mayor Hillary Labar and city officials, held an information session September 27 to explain their opposition to the ballot measure. At the commissioners' meeting the following day, Commissioners Bob Campbell, Eric Stone, and Dan Williams passed a resolution in opposition of Proposition HH. The resolution states, in part, that the Colorado General Assembly passed legislation known as Senate Bill 23-303 to reduce property taxes and voter-approved revenue change in a 48-page bill with 24 specific sections, which is neither clear nor concise. According to a state reference guide, if passed, the proposition lowers property taxes and allows the state to keep the additional money that would otherwise be refunded to taxpayers while temporarily changing how TABOR, which stands for Taxpayer Bill of Rights, refunds are distributed and creates a new property tax limit for most governments. Voter approval is required to allow the state to retain and spend the excess state revenue. The question referred to the ballot by the state legislator follows the analysis in the blue book with a link to Senate Bill 23-303 provided at https semicolon slash slash leg dot colorado dot gov dot I'm sorry slash blue book let's say that again https semicolon slash slash leg dot c-o-l-o-r-a-d-o dot g-o-v slash b-l-u-e-b-o-o-k. The commissioner stated they intend to publicly state their opposition to Proposition HH in various public appearances and newspaper columns. The next article is entitled Removal of Spillway in 11 Mile Canyon Underway, written by Marianne Magan. Planned removal of the spillway between 11 Mile Canyon and Lake George is in full gear. The spillway was constructed in the 1950s by Colorado Springs Utilities as a part of their water supply system. After years of discussion between the landowner, Colorado USDA Forest Service, Coalition for Upper South Platte, and Springs Utilities, the spillway is being removed. The South 
Platte River that winds its way through 11 Mile Canyon is now being diverted through a man made channel to dry up the spillway and allow workers to remove the structure and the sediment that has been building up around it for years. The channel takes the water past the spillway and back to the natural flow of the river. Nothing is disrupted, and the fish are being monitored during the process. Once the dam structure and sediment in the river channel are removed, the contractor will work with native boulders to create features such as riffle pool complexes, rock clusters, habitat boulders, and tree structures designed to ensure functionality and stability. While building these features, attention will be paid to creating additional habitat features inside the channel, extending into the adjacent floodplain. This activity will ensure that fish passage can occur at different flows and enhance the immediate holding habitat for trout. The majority of the heavy equipment activity will be completed by the end of 2023. Revegetation and erosion control work will be dependent on spring weather and monitored for sustainability. Water quality will be monitored to ensure compliance with all standards. In the spring of 2024, construction will begin on improvements to the parking area, relocation of the outhouse facility to be closer to the parking area, a hard surfaced accessible trail to the site, and natural benches for fishing or just enjoying the area. There will also be handicap accessible trails and fishing areas. Revegetation on areas impacted by construction will be accomplished with native species. The next article is entitled Sheriff Looks at the Downside of Ice Castles, written by Pat Hill. After all the hullabaloo about the ice castles coming to Cripple Creek this winter, Teller County Sheriff Jason Mikesell offered a reality check last week. The Castle of Ice joins the annual Ice Festival as an attraction for tourists and locals. While the festival is eight days in February, the ice castles will be on display from December through March, weather permitting. We've been looking at the Ice Festival in Cripple Creek this year, Mike Sell said, speaking to Teller County Commissioners at the meeting September 28. Statistics show that Mueller State Park, accessed by Colorado Highway 67 on the road to Cripple Creek and Victor, has about 140,000 visitors a year, Mike Sell said. Not only that, but now with the troll, Rita the Rock Planter and Victor, we're seeing up to 100,000 on weekends. Add the two ice attractions, and Mike Sell predicts up to 600 vehicles per hour. It used to be in the winter traffic would slow down a little bit, but I don't think we're going to see much of a slowdown this year with all these events going on, Mike Sell said. Mike Sell said the county's first responders are stretched to the limit as it is. I just want to bring this to your attention. Don't want to push these things out, but they are going to have an impact on citizens and first responders throughout the community, he said. If there are no emergencies or police activity, there are 8 to 10 ambulances and 12 law enforcement officers per shift 
serving the 586 square mile area. I think we have to be cognizant of that and have discussions with the city, Mike Sell said. Ice Castles is scheduled to use 8 million gallons of water, Mike Sell said. The runoff is probably going to be one area, Shelf Road, he said, even though it's a drip. At some point, that water is going to be an issue. I think we need to take a really hard look when this is over at the impact, the cost sharing burden, Commissioner Dan Williams said. We were not consulted, not that we're against it. However, when tourists come up for events, many won't be accustomed to the altitude, 10,000 feet, along with the periodic icy conditions. At issue would be ambulance crews serving tourists rather than locals, he added. I get that it's all about business, but if there are costs associated with it, we're going to have a discussion with the cities about the cost sharing burden, William said. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. The next article is entitled Sheriff Cracks Down on Open Burning Violations by Pat Hill. When it comes to halting violations of regulations for open burning, Sheriff Jason Mikesell opted for education rather than criminal charges. That was then. Last week, Teller County Commissioners amended the ordinance to permit open burning to include additional requirements. The amendments are recommended by the sheriff as well as J.T., director of the Office of Emergency Management. We have organizations in the county that are burning illegally, Mike Sell said. These burns were strictly prohibited and exceed what our burn permits allow. The illegal burns occur when a homeowner obtains a burn permit and the organization assists by creating large burn piles, which are illegal in both the state and Teller County, the sheriff said. To obtain a burn permit, the applicant must include the identification of any third-party organization or group assisting with the open burning, provide proof of insurance for the property owner as well as the organization or group. This is critical because most of our fire departments are volunteer, said Commissioner Dan Williams, speaking at the commissioner's meeting September 28. Some of us are 25 minutes away from the nearest fire engine. We have older people in our subdivisions who are being taken advantage of. They don't know the regulations. The ordinance states that to safely burn slash, slash piles, grasses, and debris, the applicant must collaborate with the local fire districts. The collaboration includes burner education about procedures for burning slash and debris safely. We cannot have people burning illegally in our subdivisions. We want to allow homeowners to burn things, but you have to do it safely. The safety procedures are recommended by the Colorado Division of Fire Prevention and Control, according to the Wildland Fire Management section. We will be very strict on how people are burning in this county, Mike Sell said. Anyone burning illegally in the same fashion they were before will be charged with a crime.
The next article is entitled Fuel and Tools Taken from Judd's Glass, written by Pat Hill. Sometime in the wee hours of September 21 and 22, thieves emptied the gas tanks from company vans parked in front of Judd's Glass at 401 North Rampart Range Road in Woodland Park. The gas cap was left off, which raised suspicion, said Andy Williamson, who bought the business two years ago. They made off with 10 gallons of fuel. While the business has two security cameras, inside and outside, the camera didn't pick up the perpetrators, Williamson said. Two of Judd's technicians drove to a job site in Buena Vista and only then discovering missing tools that had included a suction cup used when installing windows. As an aside, Williamson praises his two technicians who have years of experience with getting the job done in Buena Vista, despite the lack of the cup. The thief of fuel and equipment ultimately affects the consumer, Williamson said. We're focused on getting the best product for the best price, and now we have to a slush fund to take care of incidents like this, he said. Who pays for that? That is built into our pricing. Unfortunately, it's going to cost our customers. The next article is entitled Fitness for Mental Health, Fit and Healthy, written by Nate Wilson. Having muscles and great cholesterol scores to show off to your doctors is a great feeling, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better and engage with fitness so you can stick around on this spinning globe a little longer. It is my belief, though, that what separates the ones who stay in the gym versus the New Year's resolutioners who leave after acquiring a gym membership in February or even March is the ones who stay in the gym find a way to connect fitness to bettering their mental well-being in congruence more so than their physical health. Writing this article really means a lot to me as I am someone who is in recovery from meth and heroin addiction and have struggled with mental health in the past. In fact, I was once told that I would have to live in a group home for mentally ill adults by one of the top psychologists in Colorado Springs because of the severity of my psychosis. But here I am today, miraculously writing an article for the newspaper in the town I grew up in, and I attribute this largely to my passion for being in the gym. I'd like to share some of the mental health benefits that working out can bring to anyone willing to be open to it. For those who struggle with mental health in some form or fashion, working out is a great way to get more dopamine flowing through the brain's neurotransmitters. In short, dopamine is a chemical that is released that gives us pleasure or a sense of well-being. Having healthy dopamine levels attributes to memory, problem-solving, motivation, and motor control. Dopamine is not just for having fun. It is an essential part of the reward system that keeps us driven to find food, reproduce, accomplish tasks, 
and connect with other humans. Apparently, it is harder to review hum human changes in dopamine and serotonin, so scientists decided to study rodents. A 2017 study review in brain plasticity showed elevated levels of dopamine in many areas in the brain during exercise and for a few hours afterward. While dopamine and serotonin are some of the most popularly discussed feel-good brain chemicals, scientists have also observed the body secreting chemicals from the opioid system in the body. The opioidergic mechanisms have been observed and recorded in a 2008 study done by Cerebral Cortex Journal in which they observed 10 runners on two separate occasions in a completely random order at rest after two hours of endurance exercise. The scientists were investigating the notorious runner's high. The runners reported feelings of euphoria along with an inverse correlation with opioid binding in different regions of the brain. This study supports previous notions that the body may tap into the opioid systems after strenuous exercise. Could this be our body's way of rewarding us for positive behavior? Furthermore, it has also been discovered that after and during exercise, there is an increased presence of endocannabinoids in the blood. Every human has or will come to face with adversity in the form of sadness, depression, anxiety, and worry. In observing exercise, we see that exercise also stimulates a temporary dump of our cortisol into our system because when we exercise, we are placing our body and minds under stress. One theory states that getting through a workout and overcoming the stress of exercise primes our psychological mindsets for adapting and overcoming stress. This is something we will all need to look at and implement in our lives in order to live happily and healthily. From a philosophical perspective, this makes total sense. We are exercising our mental muscles as well as our physical muscles. We've had the training partner or personal training coach that pushes us along to achieving muscle failure, which often occurs five reps after we thought we couldn't do anymore. This tool used in the gym also becomes useful in life when times become stressful or you are met with challenges. I would argue that the challenges in the gym, in some cases, often stimulate a response even worse than stress stimulated outside the gym. A tough workout pushes us into and forces us to work through a flight or fight response initiated by the brain and body. I recommend having guidance with this, but pushing yourself to the point of nausea and feeling like you are struggling to suck for air can teach you that other stressful moments in life are tiny little molehills we can work our way over. Of course, this isn't true with every stressor in life, but you get the idea. Remember, we are all human and we will all come to face hard times in some form or fashion. Some may face depression, 
substance abuse, anxiety, trauma, or other turbulent mental battles. I argue that fitness is the best response to the resistance that life seems to throw our way. It is natural. It is not a pill. And if done correctly, there are only positive side effects. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.